0: moms need isn't more advice, it's perspective. You're listening to Most Certainly Motherhood! Hello there, I'm Kezia Nielsen. You're listening to Most Certainly Motherhood. This is episode two. Today, Amanda and I are going to introduce to you Meredith Fisk. You get to listen in as she tells us her story. Our conversation ranges from vocation, expectations for a pastor's wife, and lazy housekeeping, And many other things. This interview is full of great stuff. Amanda and I will also share our lifesavers, the things that help make our days easier. Ever wondered what other moms do when they get a moment to themselves? You'll hear some fun ways that moms like you spend their time at the end of this show. So Amanda and I are here today. We are so excited to have you listen to our interview and chat with Meredith Fisk. She inspires us, to say the least. She's good at going with the flow, which is something that I struggle with for sure. Me too. She follows her husband. She's good at, at organizing her life even when it's chaotic, and she's the first one to um, admit that she fails at that. She's a sinner. She's forgiven. We really think that you're going to be encouraged by this. I was going to school to be a deaconess, actually, at Concordia Chicago. Ended up dropping out of school, and I ended up getting my MRS instead of my DCS. (laughs) And, And I stayed home with my kids instead of finishing my degree. And so it was really neat to hear somebody else who also did that, but she still takes the time to improve herself. She still reads and and thinks intentionally about how she's raising her family. I know that Amanda and I were really encouraged by her talking about making home a good place for her husband.
1: Yeah, I was definitely encouraged by that. That was something I hadn't really had any experience learning about because I didn't have a stay-at-home mom. but. Just hearing someone talk about how important that is and her perspective on it and how she accomplishes it was really encouraging for me and helped me think about that with my home. Yeah.
0: I think you're all going to just love this interview. I think it's going to leave you encouraged and ready to take on those nitty-gritty tasks of being a mom.
1: And a wife. And wife. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yep. Let's hear what she has to say. All right. So... Hi, Meredith.
2: Hi. <laughs>
0: We're so glad you're here. I just want to start out by asking you who's in your
2: family. My family of seven is my husband, Jonathan. We've been married for 15 years. So Chloe Elcana is 12 inch. Her name means fruitful one created by God. Anastasia Aviella is Nine. Her name means resurrected one whose father is God. Trinity promise is seven. And we essentially named her baptism. But um, if you want to be like specific, Trinity promise would be baptism into the triune God. And Fides Athanasius is five. He's our boy. And his name means faith undying. Alleluia Excelsis is three. And her name is praise the Lord in the highest. And we got that one from Psalm 150. I love their names. That's great. All of them. (laughs) Thank
0: (laughs) you. I don't even know what my kids' names mean, really.
2: That was kind of one of the things that we focused on when we were choosing names was the meaning Mm -hmm. and also uh, where they came from.
0: The other question was, what did you think that motherhood would be like before you were a mom? How does it compare?
2: I thought that motherhood would be more like what you see on the commercials, where the mother is dressed in this great outfit, and she's smiling, and her hair looks great, and her child's looking up at her adoringly and smiling, and everybody's just happy all the time. I thought that having a baby would be, I guess, easy. I don't know. Yeah, cute. like you would have a cute little baby to love all the time, you would have um, you'd be rested, you would be well thought out in every action that you did, and whatever you did would actually work out. Because <laughs> it was like a computerized robot, right? You just you input what you want, and the output is exactly as you had planned it
0: to be. Like the dolls that you had to do in your in babysitting class. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was like that.
2: You know, I guess I kind of figured that my children would be like me. I didn't take into account that I had a husband with different <laughs> personality types and different quirks. So when 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 my child had his quirkinesses that I wasn't quite as in tune with yet in early years of marriage, that threw me for a loop and I didn't really know how to handle it. And, you know, likewise with my quirkiness and having children is kind of like having a mirror held up in front of your face and it shows you the little tiny insignificant blemishes that maybe you were able to overlook before you had kids. It also shows you the big ones, too, that you try to hide from, that you know are there, but you wish weren't there. Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I think that the good times, though, those precious moments definitely outweigh the the moments of tearing your hair out and feeling Mm -hmm. like you failed. So I don't don't think that anyone who hasn't had children yet, Amanda, (laughs) should get nervous about it just because it's going to be a huge learning experience in in all things that we do. I think we learn the most when we are challenged.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And thankfully we know that it's not in our hands, it's in God's hands. So Mm -hmm. um, what is one book or several books (laughs) (laughs) that have really helped you other than the Bible?
2: Well, I had a lot of different books in different stages of my life. Mm -hmm. So or just different times when I was getting acquainted with what it would be like to nurture a newborn and how to take somebody home from the hospital and then suddenly be their caregiver. Um, I relied a lot. My husband and I both went to Baby Wise by Mm. Gary Ezo and Dr. Robert Bucknam Mm -hmm. for a little bit of guidance and confidence. Now, there are a lot of things that they say that if you were to apply everything that is laid out in that book, you would it would be overwhelming and it's very rigid seeming. But if you are able to take the meat and spit out the bones, Mm -hmm. that book has a lot of good advice about how to nurture and guide your child towards sleeping.
0: That's definitely one that I've had on my list for reading, just to kind of get a different perspective.
2: Sure. So. No, I, I highly recommend that one. And then as my family um, started to get larger, I was given a book called Large Family Logistics, The Art and Science of Managing the Large Family by Kim Brenneman. She comes from a different theological bend than we do. So the first maybe three chapters, you could just skip over. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of law in there and a lot of misunderstanding as to what vocation is for women. Mm -hmm. But her way of dealing with the chaos that comes with your family growing in numbers and combating that chaos, she has some amazing tips on what to do. And I I really appreciated that in her, her book, you know, simple things like if you want your child to clean up their room, well, clean it up the way that you want it to be cleaned, then take a picture of it and post that picture outside of the bedroom door so that when you say, hey, go to your room and clean it, they can have a reference point, you know, <sighs> And I just, you know, I actually have never put that into practice, but I love that idea. It's those types of things that made it kind of fun to be a homemaker rather than an insurmountable task that you just could never get on top of. The next book on my list is, well, it's two, actually, by Katie Sherman, House of Living Stones, Inquiry Marvel. Ah, yes. I Been love The harvest that. raised soon. Exactly. Yep. Oh, I'm yes. excited about reading that one. That book, it came out a while ago. The first one did. And then I didn't actually start reading it until I lived up in North Dakota. And I was just tickled pink by the fact that the scenarios that she writes about with the church and the secretary and the different people in the choir. And it just was like I was reading about my own experiences. And I, I thought it was golden. So that one was fun. And then I read Fire and the Staff by Clement mm, Price. Yeah. That was more of a theology book for me, but in it, he answered a very pertinent question that I think a lot of us women deal with, and that is, what is my vocation? My favorite quote from that book is, he says, God never tells us to follow our dreams. He tells us that the world needs us in our vocation. Find your vocation. In it, you will be more fruitful and more God-pleasing than all the dreams you have ever had. And I loved that quote because as a new wife, I was, I was on a certain route with my education and my career and me, me, me. And then I got married and it all changed. And I was told by friends. I was told by family that I had to, I had to get my stuff done. I had to do my career and be the person that I wanted to be. And that wasn't the route that I wanted. Ultimately, to find that written down, that quote about not following my dreams, but doing my vocation just gave me the strength to continue on and to kind of take their, their words at face value and not mm-hmm. take it to heart, I guess, right. is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah. And then similarly, Ladylike by Rose Adel and Rebecca Curtis. It came to me at a time when I had just, um, experienced a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I believe it was my second in a row. And I loved, I loved the encouragement that it gave to me and the reminder that it's okay to embrace who we are as women and who we've been created to be. We don't have to pretend that we're something we're not. We don't have to listen to the world that's shouting at us. No, you have to be this. You have to act this way. and You mm-hmm. have to do this to prove yourself. We can be the women and the creation, or the creatures that we have been created to be in creation. Mm. So that that was a very instrumental book, and it, it came into my hands at just the right moment. And I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say these last two books. My husband and his good friend, have each of them, have written a book. Uh, the first one is, Has American Christianity Failed? by Brian Wolfmuller. Okay. And my husband wrote Broken. I was given the privilege to um, edit my husband's as mm-hmm. he was creating it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so that was kind of fun. And then I was given the opportunity to to read "Has American Christianity Failed?" Oh, okay. before it was in print. Oh, so I got like the the really rough copy of it. It just tickled me because these two different books by very different people are almost identical. But one is written to a younger generation, and another one is written more like what a lot of the people in the adult Bible study were begging my husband to give them whenever they would do a Bible study on his book. If you were to read Has American Christianity Failed and then read Broken, your knowledge that, that you gained from the first um, Has American Christianity Failed would give you what you needed to kind of pull apart and dissect broken and really benefit from it. So they go really well together. And I was just so pleased because I thought that was a neat, a neat thing, especially since they're buddies. So yeah. So that's my book list.
0: (laughs) That's great. Oh, and we will, (laughs) we will put links to these books in our show notes. So you can find those if you are interested in them. Um, so a couple of the questions that we wanted to ask you were, what did you do before having kids? Because you alluded to it, but you didn't tell us about it yet, so.
2: I was a student at Concordia, Irvine, with a theology major and biblical languages minor, and I really wanted to do overseas missions. Well, I met my husband um, the summer after my first year in college, continued on at Concordia for another semester. And then we got married after this first semester of my sophomore year. Long story short, it was time for me to apply to the Deaconess program in River Forest. And I got my acceptance letter back and I was stoked and excited. I ran into the house. He said, Jonathan, I came. I got accepted. And he goes, great. You can be the career woman and I'll be the house husband. And it was like, if I had a soundtrack of my life, the violins would have been swelling and I would have been skipping. And then all of a sudden it would have just come to a screeching halt because that was the last thing I wanted. I wanted to be a mother. Like deep down, I had always wanted to be a mother and somebody had told me, no, no, you have to, you have to choose what you really want to be. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll be a missionary. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I told him, I said, that's not what I want. And so we actually started looking into the seminary. So he ended up instead of us going to Chicago, we ended up going down to St. Louis that next fall. From then on I I worked. I I worked as a nanny for a little while, which exposed me to raising children and being a caregiver for babies. I really I didn't like raising other people's kids. Like that was a super huge challenge. And it's so hard. Yeah. Huge appreciation for people who are in daycare. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. that's a gift. It's It's hard. It's hard to be patient and to not be able to implement necessarily the discipline that you Mm -hmm. think is necessary, but to go along with what the parents want all the time. Yeah. So that that was a challenge for me. So I I then um, worked as a bank teller. One of my customers at, at the bank was the manager of Caldys. (laughs) <laughs> across the park from the seminary. And so I applied to work there, and I ended up working at, as a barista at Caldys, and then um, in the kitchen, which gave me lots of experience with making soups and baked goods. And that's actually where I learned to cook. I came into the marriage not knowing much about the kitchen at all. I also worked at a florist as an assistant on Wydown by the seminary. And then my daughter, Chloe, who is now 12, was born on Vicarage. So <laughs> that was kind of the extent of my working days.
0: That's great. It's time for our Lifesaver segment. In this segment, we'll share a couple things in our ordinary lives that have helped us through the day. All right. So for for this month's Lifesavers... <laughs> What's yours, Amanda? You can start.
1: Um, mine this month would be. Um, my husband has since the day we got married. Um, his wedding gift to me was actually some essential oils, and so he every night he gave you a wedding gift. Yeah, I gave him one, but it was kind of oh. lame. It was just a book of letters. Oh, that's that's so lame. I I didn't, we even didn't
0: give read each other. It. We didn't give each other really. We didn't give each other gifts, so um, I think we gave each other rings or something, but <laughs> other than that. Um,
1: anyways, he gave me some essential oils and mm. wait a second, some people do like watches or like really? necklace or even We didn't have money. Swear. Well, we didn't either. That's why I wrote him a
0: book of letters. Nice. <laughs> well, and he went all out and bought you essential oils.
1: Yeah, so, so he bought me some essential oils and bless his heart, they were not Pure essential oils, so we Aww. haven't really used all of them. But um, he tried, and so mm-hmm. we got some real lavender oil. And he every night gives me a, a he calls it a back massage, but it's more like a back rub because mm-hmm. it's not very hard. But mm-hmm. um, he uses coconut oil and lavender, and um, it really helps me relax and mm-hmm. fall asleep because it takes me a while to fall asleep usually. And he just watches his show on TV and um. He watches his show and does that, and then we go to bed, and I fall asleep pretty quickly, so that's been really nice. That is nice.
0: What's yours? Um, Well, this is something that probably every seasoned mother knows, but kids are always way happier when they're outside, and lately I've been trying really hard to go on a walk several times a week, if not every day. Because and we live in a great neighborhood for walking. It's it's really cute. It's There's lots of shade trees. The mm-hmm. the houses are all, all just adorable. <laughs> and every time we go out we learn something, like something about nature or something about our neighbors, you know, we say hello. Or even just walking down the sidewalk and being like, No, you can't walk in their yard is kind of showing them like you don't trespass. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's teaching them. I don't know. I imagine it's eating them all sorts of things. Right. So going, and then it just, it makes us all feel better. And then it makes them sleep better. better and
1: Right. Uses up
0: some energy. Which we have plenty. Well, they have plenty of. <laughs> yes, <so>. they do. <laughs> all
2: right. We'll get back
0: to our interview now.
2: The biggest adjustment for us was learning to communicate again. Suddenly we didn't have all of our time and energy to focus on either ourselves or each other. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big, a big adjustment for us as a couple. Personally, I remember just learning about how selfish I was and also how impatient I was. I had grown up thinking, Mm -hmm. thinking that I was pretty patient in general, you know, and then all of a sudden I had a child who needed my care constantly And it needed my positive attitude all the time and wasn't always going to do exactly what I wanted, is not a robot, and was not going to just be the little robot pet that I expected her to be, but had her own thoughts and opinions. And so my patience was constantly being tried in ways that I was not aware I'd ever have to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... I felt suddenly that I was really selfish too, because I had always been able to just make decisions for myself. And it mm. starts with pregnancy. Suddenly you can't eat whatever you want whenever you want. You're always at. The Amanda's and call. nodding yeah. her head. <laughs> yeah. You're always at the beck and call of your body as you're raising this baby inside. You can't eat certain foods because you could make your baby sick or mm. you could make yourself sick, which would be bad for your baby. And so suddenly it was just kind of like, well, <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. You know, you can't you have just, a glass
0: of wine. No, you
2: can't drink. Yeah. Jimmy John's. <laughs> I was pregnant um, three months after I had turned 21. Oh, so that yeah. was Kind of like, oh, oh no. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. And then I also learned how lazy I am, naturally. I'm not naturally patient. I'm not naturally selfless. Mm -hmm. And I'm not naturally energetic all the time and wanting to just go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. I'm actually lazy. I'll sit there Mm -hmm. and read through a recipe and do the math to find the lowest common denominator for my cups or my measuring spoons and use the smallest one just so I don't have to wash all of them. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That just makes sense. (laughs) Or I'll go and I'll put my husband's clothes in the dryer and set a timer and then rush to the dryer, pull the stuff out when the timer goes off and hang it up right away so I don't have to iron. Like, that's also smart,
0: also smart. <laughs> i don't know if this is lazy i think this is genius
1: i think it would be lazy to leave this stuff in the dryer and then
0: Maybe.
2: not iron it anyway which mm-hmm. is what well, that's i do true, because, yeah, <laughs> i guess i have been guilty of putting so a wet towel in with the stuff after it sat there for a while to kind oh, yeah. of oh yeah things <laughs> then, smart yeah that
0: is smart okay <laughs> we okay we need we're a learning life hacks with meredith <laughs>
2: <It's> next episode <laughs> There were two things that came into my mind as I was preparing for this. Mm -hmm. And when we were at the seminary, the fourth year, we had to go through classes as SEM wives that would Mm -hmm. train us or help us once we got out there to know what to expect as Mm -hmm. pastor's wife. And I remember the advice that was given was Mrs. Johnson. And she said, ladies, every time you say yes to something, Just remember, you're also saying no to something else. (laughs) And oftentimes that no lands on the plate of your family. Mm -hmm. So remember that and don't say yes to too much. And as a pastor's wife, that is a huge trap that you can fall into. Mm -hmm. You want somebody to play the organ and direct the choir and be the Sunday school teacher? Well, sure, I'm your girl. And I'm not saying that I did all those things, but at the same time, like you feel a pressure as the mother of the congregation to make everything work and Mm -hmm. hold it all together. And oftentimes those little people in your pew looking to you for love Mm -hmm. and guidance are the ones that you put on hold. The other thing that I was thinking about was we were given this luncheon as fourth year wives and everyone was sitting around and we were supposed to talk about what our like our expectations. And the question was while your husband is focusing on his ministry, what's your ministry going to be? And I was so caught off guard by that and all these ladies had it all figured out like one after another after another. I said, "Oh well, My ministry is going to be to the the children. My ministry is going to be to opening a crisis pregnancy center. My ministry is going to be... And they had these elaborate ideas of what they were going to focus on. And they got to me and I said, honestly, I don't have a ministry. My husband is doing that part of it. I guess my focus is going to be creating a place of respite for him and... A sanctuary that he can come home to to recharge so that he can have enough energy to go back out and do it again the next day. And they all just kind of sat there and looked at me like, really? (laughs) And I came home and I kind of cried to my husband because I was like, I don't have a ministry. I don't. And he's like, it's okay." So I I've struggled a lot with trying not to live up to other people's expectations of me mm-hmm. when I know that that's not who I am and that's not what I want for mm-hmm. my family, essentially. Because yeah. they can be pretty heavy.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think this is really good for even not pastors' wives to hear that yeah. that t- creating a place for their husband where he feels accepted and he can rest and he can yeah. recharge. That's a like huge that, job. That yeah. Luther
2: quote, yeah. make the... It's something
1: about him being sad when he has to leave. Yeah, uh, make the wife sad to see him leave and the husband happy to come home or something like that. That's a good one. Yeah. And it's good to remember when you don't have kids and you're like, why am I just sitting at home all day? But it's still important because your husbands don't have energy to do all the cooking and the cleaning Mm -hmm.
2: after they work all day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Well, and then... Too, there is so much tempting them in the world. I mean, so many things are trying to grab their attention Mm -hmm. and also grab them in a lustful way, too. Mm -hmm. And so, to be able to come home and know you are there, loving them Mm -hmm. and wanting to be there for them to Mm -hmm. give them what they need Mm -hmm. when they need it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know that as younger women, when we weren't married, we spent a lot of time trying to look our best and you know, wear the clothes that would catch the eye or put our hair in a way that would make you look great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not
0: more attractive. It was all about appearances. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because you wanted a husband, you Mm -hmm. wanted to attract the eye. And then when we get married, I think we get tempted to just kind of, it's like, well, we're married and now we can just sit back and be in our sweats all day Mm -hmm. long and nobody's going to see me, but he sees you Mm -hmm. and he needs you. And I'm not saying you know, to go overboard and that you have to go overboard. Sweats are great, Mm -hmm. but just to put forth the effort to continue to, to date your husband. Right.
0: Because whether or not he can pick out what you did you know, oh, no. how you did with your hair no. or whatever. He can tell if you made an effort. And if you're if you're smiling and happy to see him when he comes home, he'll notice that. And yeah. I know that's really important to my husband that I have a smile. And it's so hard when I'm just sometimes like, I is. just want
2: you to listen to my
0: toddler stories.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, mm-hmm. that's, that's really hard to sometimes just put it on hold. And mm-hmm. Make sure you have that moment of connection and then say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I had a rough day and this is bothering me.
0: that's good. Good stuff. Let's do a little less heavy for a second. (laughs) What is your favorite way to waste time?
2: Yeah, these are my guilty pleasures. There you go. (laughs) I didn't want to use that phrase. I know. It's so silly because that makes it sound like it's naughty. I know. (laughs) So I really like to turn on Pandora really loud. And oftentimes it's country music. And it's not like old country, but contemporary country. Yeah. And we'll be in the kitchen making supper, and we'll turn it up really loud, and then we just start dancing. Um, And I love, I love to dance, and I love to sing. And it's so silly, because there's one song that a country singer, and I don't know who he is, but he talks about, like, what is it that you do when nobody's looking? And I always think about this, because I've got five sets of eyes watching me, but I don't feel like anybody's watching at the uh-huh. same time. So I just... We just get kind of wild while we're making supper. My, my others- kids, my kids
0: just look at me like I'm crazy when I dance <laughs> in front of them. They've
2: never like Anders
0: will maybe like sashay a little bit, sure. but then he's just like, "What are you doing?"
2: <laughs> and the other thing that I like to do is um, I listen to Jim Gaffigan and Brian <laughs> Regan. There's some comedians, uh, and I do that while I'm scrubbing the toilets. I don't know why that just makes it go by so much faster for me, but I'll just sit there and crack up while I'm scrubbing (laughs) poop. I have a few other things that I really love to do that I haven't really learned how to do them now that we've moved back Mm -hmm. into a city setting. But when I lived out in rural America, I really enjoyed after my kids would go to bed in the summertime and the sun was up until 1030 up there. Um, I would like to take my cruiser. My, my husband bought me a, a cruiser bike. He bought that for me to get around town in with. And so it's, it's like this teal blue, very oh. flashy and like leather seat. It's so cute. Anyway, adorable. Really cute. I like to take my, my bike out and ride it out into the country at sunset. And there's something about the way that when the sun's setting, the fields would get kind of this cool dampness and they would Mm. start to smell really fresh and Mm spring-like and the air would still be warm up by my face, but then down at my feet, it would be really cool. And I just, I miss that. I loved that Mm. time. Um, I also enjoyed going, I called it sunset chasing after storms. When I was doing the dishes in um, North Dakota, my kitchen window faced west so I could watch the sunset and after storms oftentimes we had these amazing sunsets and mm. so I would quick stop doing the dishes, grab my camera and go um just drive out into the country and take sunset pictures. And oh. it was it was a lot of fun. It was oh, very healing for me too. Wow. And then the last thing that I could think of was I would be driving out from well, we lived about an hour and a half from any big city. Mm -hmm. So if we had to go to the dentist or if we had to go get new shoes or even groceries, we'd be in the car for about an hour and a half. And it was just driving through on a two lane highway through fields for Mm -hmm. hours on end. Mm -hmm. And um, during the end of the summer, the sunflower fields were in bloom Mm -hmm. and it was just beautiful. And so I would, the kids would laugh at me because I be pulling off the road and they'd be like, what are we doing? Oh, mother's going to take a picture. And I would, I would just pull over and take pictures of oh. these gorgeous sunflower fields. And yeah, I found a lot of, a lot of healing in that
0: mm, out there. Wow. You're making me really, really miss the country yeah, as I yeah. hear the neighbor's dog barking and cars going by.
1: When we visited North Dakota, we were we were like, we need to move there. Like, like, it is just yeah. so charming.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So I'm glad
1: you're here now. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. We really hope that you enjoyed our talk with Meredith. We just loved it. And she's a an really fun person to have around in St. Louis now. So we're looking forward to the next episode where she's going to tell us about what it's like to move with kids, what sort of tips she has for making that a smoother transition. To help the kids feel like they're part of the
1: process of moving. Yeah. There was one tip that I was like, oh, that would make me feel better about packing. I'm not yeah. a
0: kid. You're going to enjoy that episode, too. And I hope you just keep listening because we are on a roll. (laughs) We have so many other great women to talk to that have so many good stories. When I asked Meredith what her favorite time-wasting activity was, she laughed. Maybe it's a difference between having three kids and having five, but I guess free time is hard to come by for most moms. I asked my favorite Lutheran moms what they did in their free time. The most popular activity was reading, for sure. Also, crocheting and knitting and baking were very popular. Alex says, I just discovered that I liked gardening. Alex, me too. I, well, not really. I wish I liked gardening. I'm trying to like gardening because my mom is a master gardener, and I feel like it's something that I need to know how to do as an adult. So this year, I have two tiny tomato plants, And my toddlers and I are keeping them alive, more or less. And hopefully they don't die. Anyway, Alex goes on and says, I like reading, but I feel super distracted, especially during this season of life. So I'm not the best finisher of books. Oh, it's such a relief to hear somebody say that. Because I don't think I finished a book for quite a while. I'm not going to say how long. But I start books and I read them. And I'm just, I have a hard time not being able to just sit down and finish the book. I have to put it down, and pick it up, and then I forget what I've read because I get distracted so often. Anyway, it's really good to hear that someone else does too. Alex also says, I rediscovered my love for playing video games. I know, but it feels satisfying when my kids enjoy the story and I feel like I'm making progress, even if it's virtual. I love that. That is. That is such an honest answer to my question. I, I love that she acknowledges that sometimes there are seasons for different kinds of activities and even video games can be fun and kind of therapeutic. Um, Leah says that when I have true free time, I love to watercolor or quilt. Oh my goodness, doesn't that sound lovely? Dana says, number one is hiking, also camping and gardening, sitting in the sun, reading, writing, crafts like cross-stitch and knitting. Drawing is also up there. I love how artistic these people are. A lot of times, we don't really know that moms have these hidden talents. Heidi says, read to my kids, read to myself, walk, garden, write, and read poetry, write with my kids. Oh, what a neat idea. Pick strawberries, swim in our pool, swim in Lake Huron, walk along Lake Huron, look for shells, and watch my birds. Mary says, I crochet a lot, but I used to sing and play piano whenever I had a free moment. My children won't let me play piano alone anymore, though, so I've lost that. I, I sense that a lot of moms go through this when they get busy with motherhood, that they let let or are forced to let go of some of their favorite hobbies. I know that that's something that I've really struggled with, so it's, it's kind of comforting to know that other people go through that, too. Michelle says, I let my husband make me a drink and then binge watch Parks and Recreation together until we are crying from laughing so hard. (laughs) That sounds great. A couple people said binge watching TV shows. I think that most of us know that that it's pretty nice every once in a while to just completely turn off your brain and watch a silly show. Jen says that she likes to hunt, hike, fish, or anything crafty. And right now she's working on crocheting. Jen actually has a blog. Her blog is called Front Porch Bliss, a hunting, family, sharing, adventures in homemaking, parenthood, chicken keeping, and life on the Colorado High Plains. You should check it out. It, it's great. It's at frontporchbliss.com. So that's all for our show today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you come back and listen again, and we'll talk to some great Mothers that who have been there and done that and just to show you that you're not alone you can find us on Facebook at most certainly motherhood as well as Instagram at most certainly motherhood and if you have any questions or suggestions for wonderful women to interview, our email address is most certainly motherhood at gmail.com all right thanks for listening bye all right.